This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Hello everyone, I am thrilled to welcome you into the Upgrade for Businesses podcast series. I am Menakshi Indra and I lead a customer obsessed team here at Upgrade for Business, the B2B focused arm of Upgrade. Our vision is to be a lifelong learning partner for organizations delivering business outcomes. As most of you know, Upgrad is India's largest online higher education company. We enable online programs in the areas of data science, technology, management and law to college students, working professionals and enterprises in collaboration with top universities like the IIT Madras, IIIT Bangalore, IIM Kozikode, MICA, BIMTECH, just to name a few. Uh, we also have affiliations with international universities like the Duke, Deakin and Liverpool John Moores University. Over the next few weeks, you will hear from our founders, Rani Sruwala, Mayank Kumar and Falgun Kampali in conversation with thought leaders and business heads across industries. Together, we will share our collective digital learning journey, trend analysis and the 2021 impact that we foresee for the market. I have the pleasure of hosting today's podcast with Upgrass founder Mayank Kumar. Mayank is an education maven and an accomplished entrepreneur and he's seen as one of the sharpest minds leading the edtech revolution in India. Over the past five years, uh, under his leadership, Upgrade has impacted over 1 million learners globally. In IIT Delhi and an ISB alum, Mayank was named 40 under 40 Achiever of the Year by Business World Disrupt in 2017 and then again BW Education 40 under 40 Achiever in Business World for the last year. Welcome to the conversation, Mayank. Thanks, Minakshi. Thank you for having me here. Very excited about this podcast. Uh, it's been a lot of hard work on the background for getting it off the ground and good to see this getting kicked off now. Absolutely. Um, so to get us teed uh, into it, man, Upgrad has pretty much done the impossible and more than doubled the team and the business results during the 2020 pandemic and the working from home that followed. It was a time filled with uncertainty for all of us. Anxiety and stress levels were high. How did Upgrad manage this situation and keep a hyper positive um, employee morale? I think manage the situation, I can talk about it. Uh, uh, keeping the positive employee morale, uh, I think the best uh, is uh, the individual employees can respond to that. But let me just sort of give you this point that Minakshi, when we saw the pandemic situation hitting us, uh, and I think interesting today is exactly one year since we mm-hmm. announced uh, the work from home, which just reminds me that uh, we do need to talk to our, our employees. But... When we announced the work from home, uh, we had not, I mean, we had a clear idea what we need to do, but we had limited idea as to how our teams will react to this work from home scenario. I think work from home has been a concept that been discussed and debated for quite some time. And we were always quite wary that if we take a sudden plunge to work from home, how employees, teams, groups will come together and sort of work together as one individual. So I had two tasks, Minakshi, at that point in time. I think task number one was when we shift from working from the office to working from home, there is the least amount of disruption that happens in that process. And that's the, that, that objective we handle by bringing and ensuring that all the employees, all the team members, their entire rigor and the daily routine is set people are coming into meetings they are having these conversations the managers are checking on to the team members on a regular basis those 
systems and processes and the rituals, if I may call it that way, is, um, was the first part which was trickier to establish at the start but the team and the leadership came together and got it done to a very to a very large extent i think if you ask me if i look back around march april last year um the the first objective was to ensure that there's a ritual that gets set uh we did i would say a, a decent job of that uh, but there was always that thought process that look the connects and the face to face approach and seeing the team members and understanding what they're going through on a daily basis was getting reduced over a period of time and there was a lot of stronger push from a from a team perspective and from a uh, uh, from a leadership perspective to make that connect more proactively than reactively around the month of april may june minakshi is when we decided that look there is a good time for us to ramp up and you know that april may june quarter was something that we were trying to get to the thick of things and figuring out how do we sort out things while being in the office um it was around july august september that we very strongly started ramping it up and we started seeing the numbers grow number of people coming in increased i think at that period of time uh, a lot of focus went shifted from stabilizing the ship to growing the ship and at that point in time i think um, getting all team members from beat business product technology legal hr and everyone put together how do we come together as a team that we can scale up and ramp up um, i think our team did a phenomenal job in ensuring that we doubled in terms of our headcount we got the team in we got them trained we got them to sort of understand how upgrad functions um, and that allowed us a, a sort of stronger team collaboration allowed us to scale up the team and get the team at the right optimal level i think where we if you look back and if you ask me where did we fail or what are the areas that we could have done much better i think one area which i think all business leaders had identified was this constant communication with the team members we tried doing town halls once a month once every two months uh, but i think at a leadership level it requires you to connect with the employees on a daily basis and that one place i think if you ask me i would not give me ourselves a high score i will put myself at 3 to 4 out of 10 uh, because that one place we perhaps did not realize the challenge of reaching out to our team members remotely and i think the second place where i think we could have done a lot better is when you ramp up when actually you would understand that the culture breaks uh, and the culture breaking happens when you start getting people who a had never seen the office had never met the employees and the colleagues face to face So by the time we were in JFM January February March quarter about 70% of my employees and my team members we had not seen them or met them face to face they had not seen the office culture uh, and that's one place where uh, on a remote basis we did struggle in building productivity and getting productivity to the opt- optimal level training took a back seat um, or did not or was not as effective as what it would be in an offline context but i think net net we survived uh, we got through the journey uh, and here we are uh, and double the workforce uh, 70% of people not seeing the office slowly trying to figure out how do we uh, ensure that we can bring people back to the office but it's been a roller coaster of a ride minakshi is the least i can say no and i appreciate your candor man giving yourself a 3 on a 4 on 10 um, was brutal to be very honest uh, but as someone who joined this organization during the during the covid um, so i i came on board in october and 
And the one thing that stood out for me as I was getting onboarded and ramped up was the vibe and the camaraderie that came my way. Um, as somebody who hasn't seen the office, like you rightly said, you're meeting everyone through those small audio video boxes on your laptop screens. I think everyone worked a little harder to make sure that the new team members felt involved, felt a sense of belonging. Of course, there's always a, a shifting goalpost and uh, with newer team members coming in, it becomes a lot more exciting and a lot more difficult as well, if I may say. Um, this brings me to my um, next query for you, Mang. Um, when we speak about hypergrowth in terms of employee count as well and in terms of business as well, there will always be challenges in terms of retaining the top talent. Um, did you see Upgrade go through it as well? And if you did, what are a few steps or tactics that you took? Um, I did hear you talk about leadership connecting with the team members every day. Uh, but could you give us a sneak peek into what that was like for you? when people increase and they have not seen the office and the culture and the and just the setting i mean how people operate how people behave how people react uh, it gets very difficult for us to uh, really sort of uh, align them with what's happening within the organization um, but i think in the process of uh, bringing them on board we looked at two three factors minakshi um, and uh, again the jury is out how we did on that particular front uh, we made induction a very robust approach for everyone joining the organization so once every fortnight once every month once every week uh, a day would be blocked with senior leadership where the team members get inducted once they have gone through at least one month in the organization because by that time you know the goods the bads and the ugly of the organization and you can have a more structured and more uh, constructive conversations with leadership and we got each one of the leaders within the organization to come and present what their teams, the function, the business, the horizontal does within the context of Upgrade. That particular piece ensured that um, the entire organization and entire fresh joinees are understanding A, not just what Upgrade does, but what each of the team members are doing there. Two, Minakshi, when we hit the, uh, the work from home environment, AMJ was completely uncertain. And we took a call of making sure that every employee at Upgrade has taken above a certain uh, pay scale. Uh, so below a certain threshold level, we did not ma made any change to the compensation structure. But above a certain pay scale, we asked everyone to take a pay cut. And that was a time when we did not know how the business will react. And we set at an organization level a very clear goal that if we meet a target X, all the reduction in the compensation that we had made will be reversed. We were the first company, Minakshi, I could say, for um, uh, in the ecosystem who made a full pay cut or salary reversal. And everyone got the payout for the three months at which the team took the break. I think that particular behavior, that particular phenomena was wonderful for me to see because it brought all the team members together. And everyone said that, look, we know things, how things will pan out. We are not fully sure of that. And at that point in time, all of us will share the burden. It's not just going to be the founders or not just going to be the senior leadership. Everyone above a certain sort of threshold income scale said we are going to share the burden. That got the team together as a single entity. And when they saw the results, and I still remember the day uh, around June and when we were fighting for the result and we were missing the result by about a small portion. Uh, and the last day and the last two days, the team just doubled down and got us over the threshold level. Uh, and that was a time when the entire organization came together, not just one team saying, okay, this is a business goal and we need to meet, but 
everyone in the organization came together to meet that business goal and i think that got us to a very nice um, level where we scaled up our presence uh, and my entire leadership in actually that point in time was completely new and they have not been in office um, the entire we had a new ceo joining in we had a new technology leader joining in we had a new hr leader joining in the entire leadership team and you joined in in october so everything was very very new but the team came together as a single entity and made this happen as we saw this happening minakshi we also took a conscious call around um, last year that we realized that look last year was stressful everyone worked from home everyone got them in a very sort of different setting um, we got each and every employee at upgrade to own shares of upgrade and we made everyone an esop holder and this was not done look i mean is giving out esop at that scale at that number is always challenging from a founders level because ultimately you are giving out your shares but we were very clear that look everyone has contributed to taking upgrade from where it is to where it is now uh, and all of us all of them should partake in the wealth creation journey so i think from a organization perspective we made them align to the organization goals and got them each one to be a proud owner of upgrade and that again created a much stronger sense of belonging um, with the employees and the team members out there finally from induction to making sure that um, we all chase the common goals we getting them everyone as an sort of esop uh, holder um, within the context of upgrade we also sort of got the team aligned in multiple contexts this was also a period when we changed our entire okr and the kra system uh, where we said look the organization goals have to be broken down to individual teams and everyone has to align to one single sort of standard goal there's a fair bit of work to be done in that context but we made that shift and we made that change and that again sort of helped um, people starting to feel more connected uh, to the overarching goal of the organization i think all these issues that we did in this period um, uh, beat the right induction ensuring that we are doing the pay cut reversal uh, getting the team together aligning to the same okrs and kras and getting them to uh, belong to upgrade one last bit that i will add uh, minakshi which was a very important bit uh, we will not never talked about it no one will see the reactions to those but it did help us in uh, in actually what we realized around last year was that it's not just us who are struggling to coordinate with our office infrastructure is the family members also who are struggling to coordinate with the uh, with the office infrastructure you, you are sitting at home your parents your spouse your partners staying and then um, seeing that suddenly a new person who has come to the uh, house which is your office uh, and i think we realized and we appreciated the fact that everyone is participating and we took a interesting sort of twist around around diwali uh, when when we looked at diwali gift we decided not to gift anything for our employees and a call was taken that look we'll not gift anything to our employees either we'll gift it to the parents or we'll gift it to their spouse or partners or or family members etc and that was an interesting twist and i think um, the number of emails that i received from either parents or the wives or the husbands of our employees was a heart warming thing because then everyone said okay now look we also feel part of upgrade because for whatever good or bad we have been working for upgrade uh, by ensuring that we are helping our um, our fellow colleagues uh, in at their houses so i think those few steps that we took did help us in um, getting a greater sense of belonging for the employees uh, with the organization no oh, very well said uh, mike and in fact you know on a lighter note we've had multiple stories of uh, employees coming back about 
how their families are feeling challenged by hearing their team members all day long because like when you are working from home you are constantly on the call you are constantly talking and not talking to them but talking to your office employees so a couple of them like a couple of times we did have interesting anecdotes about hey my my wife or my husband or my parents are getting to know a little too much about how i am at work and they are making the correlation between hey this is not how you behave at home hey, hey or hi you are so much more disciplined at work versus in the house and this really impacting the way that their families are looking at their, uh, them too yeah. actually my son has been asking me that what is this q3 q4 that you keep is a 6 year old kid uh, he has now gotten to a quarterly conversation what is q2 q3 uh, but uh, can you get me some esops uh, uh, where are the targets so he has been picking up those words uh, while at home uh, so i think now he feels uh, <laughs> he can understand the lingo that we are using in an office context as well i don't know if that's good or bad mayank <laughs> but yeah, it is becoming a lot more pervasive um you know, interestingly mayank over the last few months i also had a preview into how you and your leadership team is thinking about and leaning into building the leaders of tomorrow in this organization so there is a thorough plan that you have a campaign that's been built out a great identification process in terms of um the future leaders is there something that you can talk to us a little bit about so when when we are doing when you're thinking about sort of next year um, and and long term planning for upgrade uh, and we're sitting down and we're realizing that look we have the leadership team in actually said that came in more or less in the last year uh, as a leadership team that have come in what we are noticing is that yes there is a leadership team but who are under them who are going to drive the organization to the next level and one of the big challenges that we foresee and and every time we see this and every time we learn we every time we pick up and then again more challenges will come in is that the manager layer within the organization i mean actually the first time manager or the mid level managers are the most i would say that has got the maximum leverage to change anything that we want to change in the context of an organization journey and that's where we realize that look while we have the senior leadership coming in what are we going to do about the mid level leadership within the organization and my mantra is very clear that look if we get them to feel more motivated have a greater sense of ownership it will become easier for them to take up a lot more because as an organization we have been growing continuously and rapidly so we came up with this thought process that look can we identify a layer of people within the organization um and identify them as leaders for tomorrow so for example tomorrow minakshi if you and i are not there the organization is not dependent on us to move forward but the organization has a pool of leadership this was inspired by one of some of the largest companies in india globally who have a very clear leadership program where the teams come in fresh graduates come in they go through the leadership journey and then they are ready to take up the leadership role that was a thought process that we decided with and started with and said look we need to create teams where we can get them together uh, where we train them and we get them ready as leadership ecosystem what in that journey what we re, uh, what we took as a slightly more counterintuitive call was it's not going to be any leadership learning program what we will do is we will we'll target three broad levers we will ensure that we make the employee self aware and self awareness being vulnerable is a very important first step for you to become a better leader and that was the first sort of uh, lever that we did with assessment giving everyone a very clear point of view as to where you stand what are your strengths what are the area that you need to work on 
The second piece that we did um, in this journey and the second lever that we are using is uh, how do we ensure that every individual in that band that we have identified is getting coached and getting trained. And coaching in that context is not about, hey, I have a problem, what do I do? But coaching in that context is a lot about, hey, I'm in this situation, what are the things that I need to keep in mind? I think that's the kind of coaching that we are pushing through that, look, don't come to the coach for answers, but come to the coaching for getting more questions for yourself. So in our journey, Minakshi, uh, the, the second aspect of uh, getting the senior leadership team to coach our uh, second layer uh, of leaders was very, very critical. And the third one was uh, uh, very important for me that a lot of coaching that we did and we realized was very much focused on very clear hard skill. Hey, look, I want to become a better leader, but I'm not very good at data-driven decision-making. I want to become a better leader, but I'm not very good at right communication or I want to become a better leader but I don't have a holistic PNL understanding. I think one of the calls that at least I have taken in my communication is that look I'm not going to focus on any hard skills because hard skills you can pick up but focus on how do you make someone a better leader, how do you inspire someone with the right vision and communicate down the line, how do you listen with empathy, how do we uh, communicate with assertiveness, how do we take decisions. How do we ensure that the team members have grown and, and sort of you are growing your own team members? I think focusing on soft skill as the third broad lever uh, was a critical part of designing this Leadership of Tomorrow initiative. And I hope, uh, I mean, actually that today we are talking about this as, a, as an initiative, but a year, two year, three year, four year, five years down the line, people say that this was one of the most critical aspect of ensuring where Upgrad is today. Uh, which was taken four or five years back and that has helped Upgrad reach to the destination at this point in time. I think that's the thought process that long term this is a flagship program of Upgrad and everyone coming into Upgrad aspires to join this Leadership of Tomorrow initiative within the organization. Absolutely, Mayank. And in fact, um, Upgrad talks about talent being a key driver, a key priority and uh, this is wonderful to see uh, this being actioned as well in a, in a very seamless manner. Um, we have spoken a bit about um, the, the employee retention part of it, how you've built a, a hyper-growth organization, more than doubling the accounts. Um, I also want us to spend a little bit of time speaking about how organizations, HR leaders, business leaders can talk about and work on the, the budget cycles and the planning cycles. And then no time like the, like the present, March and April, is when a lot of organizations over-index onto it. Um, as we get into it, um, just reflecting back on where we are and where we are going. So for Upgrad, uh, there is a market leading 90% program completion rate. It's a robust tech platform. The learning approach is outcome based. The curriculum is industry relevant across the different streams that we have. Uh, large university credentials, a strong mentorship program. And right now when organizations come and look at Upgrad or learners within this organization come and look at any specific thing that you can um, share with us for these learners or organizations about what Upgrad can offer for them to build their financial acumen. You did touch upon that in the previous part about like the leaders of tomorrow, but is there something specific that you can leave for our audience? No, I think uh, the, the, it's very important that how do we look at learning and development in the context of B2B and organizations and enterprises because 
an individual learning needs are very different than an employee learning needs uh, an organization have a certain goals and basis the goals you decide upon what the learning intervention needs to be in that journey one of the key things that i have realized minakshi is that um, at a consumer level edtech or education has gone through three different phases and three different journeys and i will talk about how does that reflect upon in the enterprise context or in the b2b context i think the first phase was a lot about making good content accessible so a lot of universities started putting the content online and if you and i wanted to learn something from a harvard wharton ivy leagues or the iits iims of the world we can go online and check out those content that was the first wave of evolution of edtech and a lot of companies platforms the moocs platforms one and so forth came in making the content accessible very quickly we realized that making just the content accessible was not the holy grail of learning and development and and for individual learning you need the completion rates were very slow very low people were not completing uh, and the entire focus shifted uh, minakshi at that point in time around completion and engagement lot of newer models emerged in the online or edtech ecosystem that was focused on high completion rate high nps score people are happy satisfied engaged together as one community going through the learning journey we have now if i could call it recently or in the last couple of years uh, we are entering into the third wave of edtech and online education which is a lot to a lot to do focusing on outcomes and ensuring that people are finding the right outcome whether it is new job next promotion next hike so on and so forth so that's been the journey when it comes to from a consumer landscape how online education or edtech has evolved if i look back on the corporate and b2b and enterprise ecosystem i feel right now we are still stuck somewhere in phase 1 or perhaps partly phase 2 of the edtech evolution there's a lot of push that happens on the learning and development side which is about making content library accessible hey i need 600 hours of content i need 800 hours of content and that language tonality uh, is a lot more focused and geared towards building content libraries within the organization and that's a great need to have an organization say okay look guys if you need to learn anything come to the learning and development team and i have a content library that you can choose anything and learn anything slowly in the last 3 4 years i have seen the focus shifting more towards completion engagement and people are tying up saying okay now if you are doing an online program just for the sake of offering online content you're not going to meet the outcome and that's where my push a lot to the learning and development leader and the business leaders have been around the fact that we do need to now move enterprise b2b and corporate learning towards a third outcome third piece which is about driving towards outcomes and ensuring that if you are doing a learning intervention is your team deployable if you are making a learning intervention are you enhancing realization per individual from your clients or from your final sort of end customer all those things are now becoming are getting a lot more openly discussed uh, amongst the business leaders and the learning leaders and the hr leaders and that's phase of evolution is where upgrade comes in because for me to move from phase 1 to phase 2 one of the biggest, of the biggest value addition that we need to do was bring in human touch and that's where we achieved high completion high engagement high nps and we did this and in phase 3 we got that human touch aligned with the outcome and that's where when when someone is looking at planning and thinking about budgeting for uh, for the next financial year the critical component to keep in mind is how do we move from content access high engagement content to outcome driven learning module and that's where uh, minakshi i think our philosophy at uh, upgrad 
for B2B has been to ensure that we are bringing content or learning with a very strong human touch that can deliver outcomes for the organization. And that's been the philosophy that we have been focused on. And, and that's where we want to sort of position ourselves in the B2B world uh, that come to us, not for content, but content with human touch and content with human touch that can lead to outcomes for your organization. Wonderful. And in fact, if you look at the last few quarters, um, we are seeing a lot of resonance in this with the organizations, whether they are enterprises or SMBs or even startups in their own foray. There's a lot of focus in terms of outcomes, whether it's business efficiencies, productivity, uh, employee enhancement. So I think there's there's some goodness happening there. Uh, my moving forward onto this one, this is also the performance appraisal cycle for organizations. And when we talk about organizations investing in their workforce, there's always going to be that cash 22 about the constraints of budgets. Um, how do you look at it for your own organization or how would you recommend this to the market at large? Employee efficiencies, and budgetary constraints in the gamut of learning. Yeah, so I think now uh, my my particular take in this one is very simple. Uh, I think we have to move out of the context of thinking spends on L&D as a cost item, uh, but ideally spend on L&D as an investment. Uh, and I'm not saying put it in balance sheet versus putting it in um, in, in the PNL statement. But in that context, even for a consumer learning, if you think of it, when someone is going a long form program, they are not looking this as a stock market that I put in hundred. I, I mean, they're not looking at it as a spend item. They're seeing this. Okay, if I'm putting it a hundred dollar, I need to recover a return of about hundred twenty, hundred thirty dollars. So there's a very clear ROI or an investment mindset needed when it comes to learning and development investment. So to your specific question, Minakshi, I think from a corporate and B two B perspective, there's a very clear need that as we are thinking of this particular employee efficiency vis-a-vis -vis the cost of training and reskilling or upskilling them. It is very important that we see this as an investment in that individual uh, or in that employee which will deliver results if not today, tomorrow, a year later or six months later. And if we get to that mindset, a lot of decision becomes far easier. And for us, on the other hand, um, as, a, uh, uh, as a learning provider to the organization, we are quite open to having a conversation with organizations saying, hey, look, for me to do this, if your budget is X, let me deliver you at the budget X. But if you meet the final outcome that you were choosing for, let's tie in some of our earnings and some of our uh, compensation on the upside that you achieve as an organization, i.e. if your teams are getting deployed, i.e. if your teams are completing the program, i.e. if the teams are going ahead and getting deployed on the client side. So those are the places where as the learning sort of providers uh, from upgrade context, we can potentially work with the organization and give them a much more sort of structured arrangement. But from an organization perspective, they need to get out of the mindset that this is a cost item, but this is an investment that they're doing. And if they don't make that investment, unfortunately the results um, will be always seen as a cost head and not as an investment item within the organization. 
Very true, Mayank. In fact, learning is an investment and not a cost. Um, I'm going to. This message is definitely going to stay back with me. Um, I've also heard you speak about the learn, the apply, and the grow ideology, which is you learn something. It should have an application in the broader world or the broader ecosystem, and you help your organization grow um, on the back of it. Um, these are pretty much the queries that I had, and I'm sure our audience has found a lot of recall and resonance with this. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Mike, before we um, wrap this conversation up, I have an interesting anecdote, Minakshi. That I've been going and meeting companies uh, for the last five, six years, uh, and I've seen the shift happening. I used to remember earlier uh, on various conversations about long-form intervention and learning. Uh, my competition used to be going to a five-star hotel and doing a two-day boot camp. And I used to always say that, look, uh, how do you measure the efficacy? The answer was the efficacy is measured on the back of the rating that employees give for that particular training program. So on a scale of 1 to 10 or 1 to 5, how much did you enjoy the training program? And I used to always jokingly say that the answer is very simple. If you want to move up the rating, move from a 3-star hotel to a 5-star hotel. Uh, uh, if you add dinner, the ratings will go up even higher. If you add drinks towards the end, the ratings will go up even higher. Um, so the, 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 the outcome objective was driven more with the experience than with the outcome. And I think now when I'm talking to my uh, to, to, to our peers in the industry, they are very much clearly focused in shifting from experience to outcomes. And that's where um, we at Upgrade, uh, whatever that we have been propagating for the last five years, we are seeing it happening on the ground. And we are quite excited about the fact that now once people are moving towards outcome, how do we deploy large-scale interventions that can lead to making meaningful change in the organization PNL? either when it comes to cost or it comes to revenues and driving it to deliver outcomes for the employees itself. If you can do that, um, I think we are in a very good position. It's a win-win sort of partnership and relationship. And that's where all of us within Upgrad and within Upgrad for B2B are working hard towards ensuring that we are delivering outcomes for the end organization. Thank you so much, Mayank. This is um, really insightful and wonderful for us to hear. I'm sure our audience um, had some takeaways. Very keen to hear back from them uh, what they liked about this podcast, any improvement areas that they can share with us, and of course, carry on these conversations in a smaller cohort within their respective organizations. So the topic for today definitely was employee retention and also partnering across organizations for their annual budgeting cycle. Thank you so much, Mayank, again, uh, for this time and for sharing very candidly your experiences and how you envision the market shaping up. Please subscribe to Upgrad's Accelerating Growth podcast on your preferred streaming app to get updates about our next episode. This is Minakshendra representing Upgrad for Business, signing off.